Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today we are talking about Jade War, specifically part two of our recap of the Greenbone saga. What a book! Oh my Whoa. god. Yeah, I got to applaud Fonda. She um, did a little bit of the second book in a series woes where things get a little more explaining, kind of establishing the platform, but not too much. She did a really good job keeping it exciting, keeping the story moving, having there be enough new places and new people that I was just interested the whole time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first like third of the book was a little yeah. bit uh, grindy, I guess, where I was just, I had to really sit and just kind of, I'm really glad there was a glossary at the beginning of this book. But yeah, I mean, we're just, we're in Port Massey and the the Uwiwa Islands and stuff and just different characters and not only different characters, but just uh, factions. Just, there's just all kinds of more uh, like moving pieces. But that was just the first third and everything just kept escalating and escalating to the point where now we're at the end of the second book and I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what's going to happen in this, no. <laughs> in this third book. It's just, Oh, Oh boy. Yeah. Like obviously mountain clan still majorly in the game, big baddies, but like there's a war going on between Espenia and, um, what's the other Igatan. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know what's going to be like the main element. Like I know that the war is being used by the mountain clan to accomplish certain goals and stuff but man i couldn't tell you who's going to be whether or not this next book is going to focus more on the war and that's going to come to kikan or whether or not the mountain clan is just gonna revitalize the war and it's going to be book one all over again times two well i mean it seems like the espenians have kind of hinted at kikan kind of being in danger of the war spilling over to the island and there's a lot that's being developed in these first two books that also kind of point at that with the value that Kikan is bringing with the Jade and with the kind of army of Greenbone soldiers that are really well equipped to at least defend their own island, if not contribute to the forces uh, in these other skirmishes. So I don't I think I would probably lean a little bit more toward the the war, you know, having more of a um, I don't know, just just more ancillary. Yeah, just like more light shed on that and it being a bigger player, because even in this book, I felt like the conflict wasn't even necessarily directly between the mountain and no peak as much as it was these other factions that were loosely connected to each of those right. clans, which made it way more interesting. And like I said in the last episode, I mean, it's this is it's feeling more like epic fantasy. You know, the stakes are so much higher than just who's going to control this city who's going to control the jade it's now it's is this entire island going to get attacked is right is it invaded know, well and they're all expanding so much i mean like the mountain is expanding into igatan with you know shine and no peak is now buying up real estate in Espenia. Espenia. and and not only that but just like setting up like this whole other base of operations in Port selling Massey. jade right so yeah i'm really really into this i think that the third book is probably going to be pretty exciting the whole way through and i'm not even that bummed out that the first third of this book was slow because i think we were both kind of expecting it yeah and the latter half of it way more than made up oh my god it's absolutely <laughs> like, it was like exciting so thing much. after exciting thing there were a few times that i was at like stoplights listening to it on audiobook and like things would happen i'd be like oh and just look like a crazy <laughs> person like freaking out in my car also our prediction 
or my prediction for at the end of the last book was totally wrong about how I thought we were going to get a whole lot more education and involvement of the other clans. Nope, not at all. At least not the ones in Jan Loon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are kind of like technically other clans in Port Massey. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It's it's like it's still very much No Peak and the Mountain, Mountain. Clan. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I there there are a lot of things that happened in this book, especially that it's like I wasn't expecting it. And not only was I not expecting this event, but the reaction or the you know what I mean? Like the the kind of steps taken after something happens. Yeah, because I'm always expecting one character to do one thing. And then it's this completely out of left field action that they're taking. And it takes me a second sometimes to just be like, really? Yeah, what? Like, <laughs> like is this... Oh, yeah, oh. Like, Hilo has done a few things this book that I'm like, wow. A few things that weren't positive either that don't make me like his character more. And I was just like, oh, dang, man. That was, that was very extreme, sudden, and vicious. Before we get into the first recap, um, do you have any... Who's your favorite character right now? Like... Hmm. Like, who would you say? Is it Andon? Yeah, yeah, I like I think, Andon. What about I think, you? I think I'm going to go with Andon, too. Like, I wish <laughs> I wish for, for the sake of the podcast, we could each have a cool answer. Yeah. But like, I, I, I do. I, I, know, guess, I, I like Hilo a lot. I do like Hilo, and too. I think I like Shay more than Hilo, personally. I, I would. I like her as a leader more. Like, if I was going to follow someone into battle, I would rather follow Shay into battle over Hilo. But if I were to go get drinks with either one of them i think i'd pick Hilo. and if i was just gonna yeah. be like buddies with one like hanging out i think Hilo and i would be we, we, we would get along just fine except for when he like murders people on you know then i'd be like all right dude maybe less murder <laughs> <laughs> um also oh a close second for me would be uh barrow really i really like his character he's <laughs> he's grown and shrunk and all sorts of weird his storyline is so different than i think that it's going to be and his involvement continually surprises me i don't know i like reading about him like every time he ends up in a chapter it's just like oh here he is again yeah i will say that guy is lucky man if i was going to go to a, a like a casino with anyone it would definitely be barrow absolutely he should have died 30 or 40 times by now all right i think with all of that it's a good intro let's uh, get right into the first recap all right Shay has an abortion without telling Maro. During the celebration of Heroes Day, Ait Mata publicly slanders Shay, who offers the pillar a clean blade. Shay and Ait Mata fight. The pillar proves the better fighter, but Shay holds her own and cuts Ait's ear. Shay is struck a mortal blow and surrenders to the pillar of the Mountain Clan. Ait takes some of Shay's jade and the two part ways. In Port Massey, the Grudge Hall is shot up by members of the crews. Andon helps to distract the police while Roan Toro defends the community center. In response to this attack, Pilar Dauk Losen asks Andon to appeal to the Call family for aid against the crews of Port Massey. After a meeting with the Espenian ambassadors, Hilo decides to take a trip to Espenia to help Andon and the Kekanese living in the city. After weeks of odd jobs, Mutt poisons Barrow and leaves him alone to die. After this, Mutt gets drunk in a bar and reveals who he is. The bartender makes a call to the Nopeak clan. Hilo arrives in Espenia, reunites with Andon, and meets the Dog family. After pleasantries are exchanged, 
Hilo agrees to help the Kekanese of Port Massey by negotiating the trade of raw jade to the crews. Hilo arrives back in Janlun to an incredulous Shea. She disapproves of the trade negotiations with the crews of Port Massey, but ultimately acquiesces to Hilo's plan. She tells Mero about her abortion, and he storms out. Mutt is caught by Hilo and the makes, and taken to a remote location where he is buried alive with jade stones in his mouth. During a playdate at the park, Wen and her children witness Hilo's white duchess explode with Mate Ken, the horn of Nopeak and Wen's brother, just outside of it. Mate Ken is killed. Alright, that just stepped everything up so Whoa. much. So much. Like, I... I Dude, someone I really got buried wasn't. alive. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because, like, you know, with, with these kinds of recaps and stuff, I always want to, like, start at the uh, the beginning of the recap and kind of work our way through it. But we have to talk about that scene. Oh, because, man. Oh, this, like, the the build up to it, you know, and I've seen that. You, we've all seen that, right? In so oh, yeah. many, like, movies and stuff, it's always like, we're going to take him all the way out here. And we're going <laughs> to, but it's still, the build up was so intense. Oh, so horrific. It's like um it's like you know how like there's like torture techniques where they'll like inject somebody with in, with adrenaline like before they torture them. I got mm-hmm. like that kind of same vibe where not only would being buried alive be terrible but making somebody go through the itches while oh mm no nope. yeah. that- now they also put jade in his mouth though. So how much itches is he really going through? I guess uh I thought that Mutt couldn't handle the amount of jade Oh, you're right. I think that's what um, it is. Because the itches be I thought was like from a withdrawal. So I was like, now he's withdrawing from it. But he also doesn't, either way, he's messed up, right? Because he either doesn't have shade and he's going through withdrawals, or doesn't go, doesn't have jade and he's going through withdrawals, or he does have jade but not shine. And so he's getting right. itched out. It's, it's like he, they put, they overloaded him with it, essentially. Okay. It was just so so much. And it's kind of like, kind of alluding to what you were saying before of like, Hilo is so great you know we get we get really deep down with Hilo, and we and you know we see so much humanity out of him and he just he cares so much and stuff and then he does stuff like this and it just makes me so just i oh i can't with this guy yeah (laughs) like it'd be like if i was like hanging out with you after knowing you for so many years being like yeah i was such a good dude and you're like hey remember that guy that like beat up my sister be like oh yeah like yeah i buried him alive earlier today what (laughs) Like, yeah, after I just like stuck him with a bunch of heroin, like, haha, whoa, but dude. Also, but I mean, like, it does make sense. I mean, like, it's not something that I would do personally, but it makes so much sense for Hilo's character to kind of like get back at this person that's responsible for the death of his brother, and not only responsible for the death of his brother, but kind of by extension, responsible for everything that Hilo's been going through, right? Yeah. So he's kind of like putting a lot of Hilo's recent experiences onto this kid. Because Hilo's been stressed out. Oh, he's gone through it. You know, one thing that I always find a good justification is when those sort of things are known by the enemies, right? You're like, oh, they're doing this so that way to make an example out of this person so that nobody else will do that sort of thing. But this wasn't that at all. Like, nobody knows that they did that. He just went out into the woods. and That was a purely, like, I want this person to suffer move. Yeah. Yeah, can yeah. you imagine being in that box like I'm like drilling the nope. as soon as they get out the drill, you're like, well, I know I'm not getting out. I literally can't imagine oh. it. And I don't want I mean, Fonda it, Lee is 
intense. Yeah. Like, I mean, just... I I've never hung out with her, but... Uh... <laughs> Can you imagine, like, you just started dating her and you're, like, reading these books and you, like, read that part, you're like, oh, boy. <laughs> Better... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's it's good that that kind of stuff is in here because that's what the content is. That's mm -hmm. what this situation calls for. You know, you can't pull punches when you're talking about gang wars and you can't you can't pull punches when the stakes are this high. Like the the brutality of the things that these people are doing to each other has to kind of like match up with everything else that's going on. So totally, you know, I don't know if it's like a reflection on <laughs> Fonda Lee's like personal <laughs> character as much as it is. It's just it's just like these are the things that are happening in this situation and it makes it feel mm -hmm. that much more real and kind of like deserved you know because like if if Very hilo visceral. had caught up with that kid and it was like it was like ah you <laughs> you little rascal <laughs> <laughs> like like we're gonna make sure you never get jade again see like you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked no. Um, I thought, um, okay, so one more thing on that before we move on is Tar, Mike Tar is telling the boys, right? Nico and Rue, is that Hila's other kid's name? Rue? Uh, Nico is, is Lan's son. Right. And, and then, then his son is Rue named is, Rue. Rue is, yeah. 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 Um, he was like telling him what Hila did to get revenge for Lan's death. And then it's mentioned that the kid has heard it many times. And then he was like, yeah. But you haven't heard that he actually buried him alive. Like he's three <laughs> years old. <He's, laughs> should we be telling about the father burying someone alive story to a three-year-old? I think that um, brutal. That was some really good foreshadowing there. You know, you know, and like we and we can talk about this part too, even though you know it's not it's not the beginning of whatever. whatever. That's right. These this is the really really juicy interesting part of yeah. this. But like it. You know when you're reading something or even when you're watching something and and it gets it starts talking about details right and you're like something's about to happen oh, like you get, right right yeah, so yeah, it's like told, when, like why would we get this much information right yeah so it's like you know i mean you have the foreshadowing in the car right where make is basically saying this bond of of brotherhood between um, your uncle and your dad is like really important and you two can't be fighting all the time because it's going to, it's just as important for the both of you. And then, you know, that, that is kind of the same with the Mike brothers and it's kind of foreshadowing that. And like, I didn't really get that at first, you know, cause I'm just like reading along, but looking back on it, obviously. And then when, when is with the kids in the park and like, it just starts getting really detailed with like the park and the car and stuff. And uh -huh. it's just, like everything felt like it just slowed down, you know, and like this, uh, like shell shocked kind of like Tom Hanks and saving private Ryan way where you're just like, wait a minute, what's, and then the car explodes. And then when the car, I mean, for me personally, when that car exploded, I mean, obviously I knew that it was make Ken the horn and not, Hilo, even though it's Hilo's car. But when that car exploded, in my head, I was just like, that's why there's a third book, right? Like this, <laughs> this is about to get right. like, what is the rest of this book going to be? And how ramped up? Because that was a huge crossing of the line. Oh, huge. And there was even mention a little bit after that event that bombing a car, right? It's like the, the populace kind of like expects certain violence when there's this kind of war going on between clans and stuff and it's not it's like they're 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 used to it at this point almost but somebody blowing up someone else's car with them inside is like this not only like a clan affront and an insult but like 
so socially unacceptable it's cowardly this, yeah like in this context and i i had a feeling that it wasn't the mountain clan like directly like directly yeah like zapano like how do you feel about all that stuff like what do what did you think about it okay so he's obviously a lever being used another lever being used by the mountain clan to get their way and to establish power and take out and do things like go against all form of etiquette and ice show and honor that the clans hold themselves to, um, to be used for devious un green bone, like acts like blowing up a car. But I don't know for a while, I thought they were kind of a distraction, like a weird, like, why is this thing even here? And I thought they were going to be eliminated much quicker, but then they really aren't. I guess they are, um, by the end of this book, they're pretty much removed from the, the playing field or at least, neutered to a point that I don't think that there'll be a big element in the third book. Fonda Lee did a really good job at kind of downplaying just how much of an effect um, Zapanyo and his whole organization was actually going to have on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because even Hilo goes out to the Iwiwa Islands and is just like, this is all pretty not like this isn't very consequential whatever all of this. Like I've got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, you know, you're kind of a pain in my ass, but I've got to deal with all of this. And now mm-hmm. it's like, it, it kind of makes it so that um, it, going into this third book, any player in this game is capable of completely ruining everything else. Yes. So it is. Yeah. That was, that was really yeah. well done. I think the mountain clan is going to go back to a little bit, or at least I hope so. Is going to go back to a little bit more direct warfare, you know, like they're like pretty much in a truce right now, but each one is using their, second layer third layer players that they have control over in order to fight each other you know so it'll be interesting to see them go back into the front lines what did you think about the fight between shay and aitmata what a beautiful that was one of the things that i have listed as that i really liked oh cool. uh because it was so cool because shay is brilliant always brilliant she's just such a masterful leader she needed to do something even her own clansmen were starting to think like what is she you know is she really true to the clan you know like that conversation that Hilo had in that in the first half of the book with his people with um Hame Tumishan and him being like yeah we've got to get Shay to step down and like so even her own clan is undermining her and arching an eyebrow in her direction and so and then when Aitmata is up there just like talking smack publicly she was like I have to do something right now or i'm gonna lose the respect of my own clan so boom she gets up nails it and then not only does she nail it on that decision she nails it in the fight where she's got adrenaline coursing through her uh she's injured tired sweaty bloody and she has the presence of mind to masterfully make it so put aitmata in the position of either killing her and looking like a murderer or winning with honor and living see i had kind of mixed feelings on the outcome of that oh really yeah i don't i mean i wanted Shay to win obviously yeah so did i um it just for me it felt like like when i was and this could have been my fault for not reading close enough in the last couple books but i just i didn't know that it was an option to kind of like surrender in a fight like that did i miss something or like did it well, was that n- they just explain it in like right when Shay is explaining, like right in that chunk, they were like, yeah, you can kill him or not. But once the other person has 
basically given up the like you win and they're disarmed and on their back sort of thing then yes the other person still can kill them but it's like dishonorable to do so because they're not actively trying to kill you anymore I guess it just felt like a little bit, I guess, like empty to me because it meant that Shay was never actually in danger because she kind of like always had that in her back pocket, you know, so it made the fight feel a little bit like, I don't but she know. Had to get, she had to get to that spot where Absolutely. she was, because yeah. at any point, you know, at any point during the fight, she could have gotten run through or beheaded or something that would have just been death immediately you know so it was a For pretty sure. big toss of the dice no i'm not saying she didn't take a chance but it's just like it made it made it feel like um Oh, she could just surrender and like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. it took away yeah. a little bit of the power for sure. For, I get what for, you're saying. For me, like, I don't know, because it was still, it was still really cool. And uh, I wasn't expecting it at all, even though looking back on it, it makes a lot of sense that she would, you know, pull out that option and say, all right, I'm, I'm going to offer you a clean blade. Because if you think about it, that really was the only option left to Shay. And especially after having gotten that procedure and just kind of like the mental space that Shay was in leading up to the fight. I was just, I was very like nervous for her. I I, I honestly thought Shay was going to die. I think that maybe it might have led yeah. to like me being a little bit disappointed um, just like as a reader in the end of it. Cause like, I really just with the build up to the fight, wanted Shay to die. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't want Shay to die, but it, like it would have, I don't know, but it also, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense because then it's just like, it's just Hilo and the mm -hmm. main brothers the clan like, meets the story meets her unfortunately but i would have yeah. it would have been an interesting turn to see what would have happened chaos yeah and I, I mean and i'm not even suggesting that any of these characters necessarily have um plot armor like all of this like makes sense but the fight was really cool obviously yeah it was really cool i enjoy um fonda's telling of a one-on-one -on -one battle she does a really good job with that yeah these are some really really creative fight scenes I like the weapons a lot. I like the way that Jade is used in the scenes too, deflections and and things like that. Like even when um when you're introducing in other scenes when you've got people with guns, it just it adds this whole different dynamic to everything. Like it makes you feel like everything that's happening. Like I'm picturing the fight as happening like way faster. Oh, it's laser other... fast. Yeah, so it it kind of adds that. And with them like thing. grabbing bullets, slinging them back at the other people and just mm -hmm. like deflecting them, getting in sword fights, getting actually cut, but then stealing your skin so you don't. Uh, I forget what section it was, but there was a, uh, someone was killing someone else and they were like, this person stealed their skin and they made the other person like hack his head off like yeah. seven times or something. <laughs> I wanted to go over another thing real quick before we go into the next recap and that was Mutt poisoning barrow yeah good call I wasn't expecting that at mean, all i literally have mutt poisons barrow did all caps not expect that happening because <laughs> <laughs> mutt's kind of toothless right but i mean it, it, like there is like that really cool exchange where mutt kind of like lays into barrow a little bit like as he's mm -hmm. dying kind of kicks him while he's down yeah. <laughs> and i remember uh writing out kind of like barrow's thought process like kind of as he's passing out was really really good where he's just he's just so like frustrated and he's just like i can't believe this is how i'm dying right like, like, he catches guy. so many breaks but then he doesn't at the same time catch any breaks it needed to happen because one of them like someone needed to go down in a terrible way for lamb but was the scapegoat for that and barrow barrow gets to live on yeah um 
because Mutt wasn't responsible at all for Lan dying. No. Right? No, he wasn't yeah. even like there, not even friends with Barrow at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he just managed to get the jade from Barrow, and so Hilo thinks that it was him. I, know, I thought that was kind of um, weird that Mutt would just like go into a bar, get really drunk, and then just start spouting off like every like that you know, was weird. I, Not bad, but weird. Yeah, Mutt Mutt's character was very dumb, very one sided. He is not smart at all. He was a lackey, and the only reason that he became anything was by not that Barrow's super smart, but Barrow's got like a mystique, a luck to him. It allowed them both to kind of play in the same game as the big leagues for a little bit. And then Mutt on his own immediately does something just ridiculously foolish. Um, Actually, real quick before the, the recap, I wanted to just kind of dip in and talk about what's going on with Andon at Port Massey. Uh, not a lot with Andon. Like, I mean, like the 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 grudge hall kind of like uh, Kekanese, like community center gets shot up, mm-hmm. which I mean, that was a cool scene. Just seeing Ron Toro, um, this person, he keeps the jade in his gloves, which I thought was really neat. And, yeah. Uh, Ron Toro is really awesome. And I mean, that that whole scene was cool. Um, I It made a lot of sense that Doc Lawson would kind of appeal to Andon. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of other places that he can turn, I guess. Oh, all of that made sense. I don't know. There wasn't we didn't see a whole lot of Andon in this. No, one. he wasn't uh he wasn't super super involved there. But you know, he's beginning to become very, very useful with all of his connections that he's made and his knowledge of the culture. One of my favorite things, like lines that I just laughed out loud was when Hilo comes back from uh going over to Aspenia and negotiating with the gangs over there basically and that he's going to start selling them jade and that he's going to like get a get a foothold he's trying to establish his foothold over in Espania, right and he starts to he makes the deal with the local gang bosses that he's going to start selling jade and then he comes back and shay is pretty upset with him and he's like what she's just like you agreed to sell 100 kilos of raw jade rock to an espenian crime boss and you promised cut jade manpower and from the sounds of it tributary clan status to some people you just met hilo's response do you disagree with what i did (laughs) (laughs) he's just so great he just attacks everything so straightforward and just uh it was great well, and they're not even really selling like the good jade to Mm-mm. them, right? It's like the it's the scrap kind of raw jade that they've been taking from the smugglers from right. Zapunio's crews. Um so which I thought was really smart because like the crews in Port Massey don't seem to really understand what jade is. Like no. they don't seem to really understand even um like the call family or anything really to do with the Kekanese people. Uh, so it was very shrewd on Hilo's part to kind of be like, well, you know that this is really valuable. So we'll just, we'll hook you up with some Jade. And they're just like, sure, whatever, Jade, Jade. Like, oh man, that'd be awesome. We'd be like the best gangsters in all the land. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I was, yeah, I guess, I, I mean, I kind of really, uh, sympathized with Shay and kind of understood where she was coming from just in the sense that it seemed very, um, it seemed weird, I guess, just to have Halo just kind of bound off over there. Oh, yeah. And even out of character for him to sell it to gangsters. Like, what? Well, and he was just so willing to just go over there and just help out in Aspenia when 
he hasn't really shown like any real enthusiasm for um even the no peak clan like expanding into those mm -hmm. territories even in, like a real estate capacity like i'm sure i don't think he's got like much of a huge problem with it but he's just it all seems like weatherman type stuff right he's not the business guy no that felt a little bit weird i mean like anything he decided to do it and when when Hilo decides to do something he never goes halfway all right so going into the second recap make ken the horn of no peak is dead oh boy uh, <laughs> this is this is just such a problem i want to i want to find out more about what's going on like yeah let's uh, let's get right into it all right let's do it after the explosion intended for Hilo, but killing mike ken Morrow confesses it was his actions that lead to the bomb being planted. He explains that his family was used as leverage to make him turn on the calls. Shay gives him a quick death, knowing that Mike Tarr would torture him for many hours to avenge his brother. Barrow survives the poisoning because a neighbor called an ambulance, but finds himself depressed after being betrayed and having all his jade stolen. Deciding to put it in the hands of the gods, he attempts to gamble all his money away, but is prevented from doing so by Aiden, the armless no-peak member. After learning Barrow was involved with Zapuno's jade smuggling operation, Aiden calls Hilo, who questions Barrow. The information leads Hilo and his men to Soradio, one of Zapuno's higher-ups on Kikon, and the man responsible for the car bomb that killed Ken. Afterwards, Hilo and Clan go on an illegal jade smuggling sanitization spree, eliminating many illegal operations, but still leaving him no closer to killing Zipunyo. Andin, still dating Cory, has been working with Hametumishan, Hilo's man in Espenia, and is proving to be an asset with his local contacts and knowledge of Espenian culture. Hilo asks him to help him kill Zipunyo, as Hilo has just learned that Zapunyo will be traveling there to get a medical operation. Andin agrees and asks Doc Lawson for assistance, who agrees to give it to him only if Andin breaks things off with Cory. Andin does not want to, but decides to do right by the clan and ends his relationship with Cory. Wen successfully smuggles Jade into Espenia and meets up with Andin. The plot to kill Sapunyo almost gets cancelled, as Sapunyo makes some changes to his schedule at the last minute. But when, unbeknownst to Hilo, but wanting to help the clan, gets Shay to allow her involvement with an impromptu plan. The plan goes fine and Sapunyo is killed. However, during their escape, they are attacked by a new ganglord in Espenia, and Ron Toro is killed. When barely lives. Hilo learns of this and in a fit of rage assaults Shay for putting his wife at risk. He tries to fire Shay from her position, but Shay refuses to be let go. Andin returns home and is welcomed back with open arms. He tells Hilo that he will once again wear jade, but only as a healer. The book ends with Barrow meeting some locals who want to take down the clans and end their control of Kikon. For the first time, he says he wants nothing to do with Jade, but that the removal of the clans is something he could get behind. Wow. Oh my god, that last hundred pages, I was just like, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Man, that scene when Andon and Rontoro and and Wen get attacked, oh. I, 
I oh did you, my did God. you think that I, when I thought one was out, of when course. was gone. They put a I was plastic like, She's done. bag over. I thought I thought all of them were dead. Oh, you th- wow! Like in the back of my mind, I was like, Andon's probably like Andon will probably be fine because he was the last one. Uh huh. You know, um, and it was all like from his perspective and stuff, and yeah. But when I thought is dead, like when Me is too. dead, and I mean she's kind of like she she's basically out of the picture now because she. Uh, it sounds like. And it was just like a couple lines, but it sounds like she had some pretty intense like brain damage, which obviously can happen after like just a few minutes of having no oxygen. Yeah, your brain starts to like break down. Yeah, and I kind of knew it was coming. Like we both talked about this before, how we were like we hate the fact that we know something's going to happen to when. <laughs> like, please no, please no. But we knew it was coming. You know. Yeah, I mean, like I think that in in my mind it was like. Fonda Lee did such a good job at kind of they they got past the police. There was nobody following them. Mm-hmm. She was very careful to say there were no police following them, actually, because <laughs> there was somebody following them. But you know, it's like it's the last 30, 40 pages of the book. You know, I thought they were away free and clear, honestly. I figured something maybe would happen to win in the next book mm-hmm. or something. I thought that make Ken getting killed was kind of the the climax there. Yeah, same. And that, like, they were going to kill Z- Zaponio, and then the book was kind of just going to kind of wrap up. Like, the plan mm-hmm. to kill Zaponio was very quickly put together. Right. And they had a little few hiccups where Zaponio was like, ah, I know that you're not who you say you are. I was like, oh, no. And then they quickly resolved that. And I'm like, okay, that was the trials and tribulations that was going to happen during this plan. We did it. Go team. Well, that part was so cool, too, because um, Zaponio was just like, I can't remember exactly what his line was, but he said something like, oh, you, you, they sent somebody to kill me or something. And then Andon was like, oh, I'm here to kill you. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, but you're wrong. I am here to kill you. Yeah, that was really <laughs> cool. That was awesome. Uh, okay, question for you about the gang that attacks them. Yeah. Wh- who is that? Because do they mention who that gang is? Because they just it mentioned like a new gang shows up or something. And I'm like, do, do you have any understanding there? That's skinny reams. Oh, yeah, oh, the guy the who guy. gets attacked and then jumps into the water under gunfire. Okay. There's like that exchange between um, Ron Toro and Skinny Reams where he's like, come on, man. Like, we go way back. You know, like, oh, like why okay. are you doing I totally this? missed that. And Skinny Reams is he, like, you know, because Ron Toro is basically just like, if you're going to be the new person in charge here, then right. you want to make more friends than enemies. And Skinny Reams is just like, yeah, but I just really don't like you Kekanese people. And it, <laughs> it's just like, damn, man. Like, Wow. Uh, but And it's Reams, not Reeves? I think it's Reams. I don't know. I, okay, I forget. Whatever. There's that a lot guy. of names. <laughs> yeah. There's so many names. Okay, well, that helps my understanding. Okay, interesting. So he goes from being almost killed, betrayed by his own people, to he's the new gang boss. He's the new crime lord in town. Wow, he must have had some friends in high places. I wonder how his come up and sat in the underworld happened. I don't know. I'm 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 curious to see how uh, the events with like the crews kind of like starts unfolding in the next book and how much or if it'll even matter. Like nobody's on the island anymore. What island? Asp- or Aspenia. Uh, 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 oh yeah, nobody's in Aspenia anymore. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about that. Huh. I mean, Corey maybe. Okay, here's here's a prediction that I have. I think Corey will be used as some sort of turmoil someone will be trying to get Andon to do something in the next book and i think Corey is going to be the leverage that i, I don't know what Andon will do whether or not he'll fall for it yeah. but i think Corey is going to be trapped and they're going to be like you need to do this and Andon's gonna be like why would i ever do that and then they're going to show him like a picture of 
Corey tied right. and gagged or something. It's funny. Like I, I had like weird mixed feelings about Corey throughout a, a, the, the latter half of this book, because at first yeah. I was really, I liked Corey a lot. And then I don't know, just like that conversation that he had with Andon, where Andon was basically just like, Hey, like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I've got, I've got all these responsibilities that I, I can't, I can't really like tell you all about them, but this is just, right. this is the way it has to go down. And Corey was just really not even one, like 1% 1 supportive of it. Yeah. He basically just like told him to go fuck himself. And it was just like, like what I'm seeing here, or at least like my prediction on the whole Andon Corey thing is that uh, it seems like Andon kind of has stronger feelings for Corey than Corey does for Andon. Yeah. And I don't know with the last couple of books, like it really, I mean, who knows, maybe Corey joins up with the cruise or something. And yeah, Corey's still kind of like or... in his frat boy stage of life where yeah. it's like never was that first off, but he's also kind of through that and he's been through some stuff, you know, he's hardened and he's gained friends and lost them. And he's had some really, really terrible things. However, Corey's just kind of been like, eh, I'm just like going to law school. And like, every time he calls and talks to him, he's like having fun. He's at a party or right. something, you know, he's just like, I don't know. I just kind bad of for Andon. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. like, I did think that was really cool when, um, you know, Doc Lawson was basically like, not only did he know that Andon and Corey were an item, which <laughs> was just like that, that pillar is so cool. But I know, uh, um, but when Andon, I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a fight. You know, like not fight like a physical one, but I just I thought Andon would struggle with struggle. that decision a little bit more. But and I think that was just a like a test. Like Andon had to make a call, right? Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to help my family out? And am I going to like do the thing that I know that the I call, need to call. do? Yeah, he had to make a call. <laughs> call. Like, am I going to do the thing that I need to do so that we can we can do what's best for No Peak and the Kekanese and Jan Loon and stuff, or am I going to make sure I can stay with my my boyfriend right same thing that happened with shay multiple times she's had to make call calls you know is she going to do her own thing and go off and get her own little job and kind of say goodbye to family and culture or is she going to really double down on the family and her role in no peak and she she no peaks as does andon well and i think that that's like one of the the central kind of like through lines of these books is like how important is family if it's if it's affecting your life so negatively Andon and Shay both have like these opportunities to kind of distance themselves from this violent culture that they're so immersed in. But they see the flaws with. Yeah, but they don't, you know, like they ultimately choose to stay with it. And it's like, even at the end of the second book, it's like, I couldn't even answer the question of like, which one is actually more important because it doesn't seem like they're getting a lot out of this. Right. You know, like at all, like people are, everyone's dying, yeah. you know, like Shay has to kill her ex who she yeah. didn't want to be the ex. That scene was really, oh, really man. hard to read. Super hard. I was just like, oh no, I kept thinking something was going to happen. Yeah, me too. Gonna... And then man, he just, she just beheads him. Well, like while I was reading it, I knew that Shay, if all other things were, if it was just like isolated between the two of them, Shay wouldn't have killed him. And so oh, no. while I was reading, I kept thinking, okay, something's going to come up here that like Mario can't die, obviously. And then it mentioned something about make tar coming back and Shay was starting to like cry a little bit. And I was just like, Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this dude, is going to be so bad. I was like, he's, definitely gonna kill him 
Yeah, I mean, I wish that Morrow had stuck around at least into the third book. Kind yeah. of felt like, uh, you know, like Sean Astin in the second season of Stranger Things? Like, his, <laughs> <laughs> like yes. such an amazing character. And then, like, just we didn't get enough of him. Yeah. You know, they, like, I feel like Mario got done dirty. and He did get done dirty. He should have also, he did himself dirty, though. Like, come on. Did you, what, what, what sort of, what, what, what did you accomplish by showing up there and being like, it was me. My bad. Yeah. I know you're going to kill me, but my bad. Like, because nah, he needed dude, to get be the honest. heck out. Nah. Shay was honest with him. Shay was honest with him, Chad. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes have... sometimes a little fib goes a long way. Right. You know, it's like we need to build this relationship off honesty. But it's like, what's the point if it kills you? Yeah. <laughs> you don't I, have I remember... a relationship anymore. But what would Maro have done? Like, eventually that information would have gotten out. Oh, he should bail. You know? He should have just gotten on the first ship <laughs> just to Espenia and beyond. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true, too. That's what I would have done. Yeah, that makes a lot. Of, that makes a lot of sense. But you know what? That's just the kind of guy Maro is. I know, but he was being threatened. It's not like he did anything wrong. Maybe I mean, some small part of Maro thought that if he kind of like beseeched Shay and the Call family ooh. and like explained the situation. I mean, that's not really the vibe that I got. It felt yeah. more like he just had to tell somebody that that was what happened. I think he was um, rid, ridden with guilt. Because he knew, yeah, he was like, oh, that's why they wanted me to do those things. (laughs) Well, and it could have been when and two kids. Yeah. You know, I think that's what kind of shook him up so much. Like, if when had walked toward that car, like, it would have been not only make Ken, but when and Rue and Nico, too. Part of me as a reader is like, that should have happened because like, totally I just want to see. Happened. I want to see like what Hilo would. Hilo would have burned that whole city down. Oh, dude. You know. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Hilo, that scene between him and Shay, where they fight each other, put me really on edge. Where he like, just beats the crap out of her. Well, I mean, she 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 fights back. You know, she a like little. Knocks, yeah, a little bit. Like, <laughs> but like, um, that had me even a little bit more on edge than the scene where Ron Toro gets. Oh. Well, where, well, where Ron Toro gets shot and or you know bagged and yeah, when, yeah, because. Like Shay and Hilo have such a history. They're both really powerful green bones, and it was just the two of them in there. And so while I was reading, I was I just kept thinking, is one of them gonna kill the other one? Right. Because we're at the very end of the book here. That would put the third book in such a wild spot to start that the Super horn flux. or the, the the weatherman killed the pillar or the pillar killed oh. the weatherman and like with the kind of division that that would spark in the family mm-hmm. and stuff. But I'm really glad that that didn't happen because it would have just been a mess. Oh, man. You know? uh, probably one that you wouldn't be able to like you can't get that toothpaste back in that tube, you know? No, no. But then that like, I mean, I think was it Rue or Nico like kind of shows up at the door. Yeah, one of them shows um, up and they're like, <laughs> he was like fifth over uh shay and was like okay maybe i should not be beating the crowd yeah but it was a very uncomfortable scene that's for sure and then that that part where hilo is like all right you're fired i don't want you to be this the weatherman anymore <laughs> and shay's basically just like well sorry hilo like, <laughs> i do not accept your forcing your forceful firing of me <laughs> but honestly like who else is going to do it who else is yeah. going to do that good of a job she's she's done i mean obviously shay's messed up everybody's messed up Everybody has done pretty good at some things and totally messed up other things. But Mm -hmm. Shay is absolutely the only person that can do this job. Absolutely. Like Like, the clan will crumble without Shay. And maybe Wen could have done it. Maybe. But Wen is indisposed now. 
Yeah, know? she's They're... got brain damage or something. Just I don't really think she's going to be else. a very big part of the third book. I hope she is. I hope that whatever's, you know, maybe she makes some sort of miraculous, like, jade recovery. Or maybe Andon can help her if he's going oh, to medical yeah. school or something. That's another cool thing is that uh, Andon does come back and does put jade back on. Yep. But he says he'll only do it if he's healing people. Yeah, whatever. He's going to be wearing a ton of jade and he's going to get attacked. And he's definitely going to go <laughs> on the offensive. <laughs> I'm stoked for it. I really want Andon. I feel like Andon is like a power that we have yet to see fully unleashed. He reminds me of Gohan from Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> right? Like he's yeah, he's like I don't want to hurt you. Yeah, and he's just like this kid, and there's it feels like there's this kind of base power level that everybody's at in this in these books. But Andon is like the reluctant, way more powerful than everybody Super else. Way more powerful, and that is kind of a trope. But I love that trope. Me too. I love it. So, and it's being done very, very well in these books. Oh, yeah. And he's but... so reserved and yeah, dandy character is being played very well. But I am very glad to see him back home, back part of the clan with purpose again. He's found like a way, you know, he's like, oh, I know I can be green bone, but a healer green bone. I'm like, yeah, good on you, Andy. You can. A lot of this gives me. Have you ever watched uh, Goodfellas? Yeah, I have. You know that part where, um, what's the main character's name? Harry, Henry, uh, Henry. Uh, that part where Henry is like, he's all like coked out, and he's like making spaghetti, and he's got to like drive <laughs> that person to the airport, and he's got to like go pick up his brother from the hospital, and it's just, and he's like looking at helicopters and stuff, and he's just so like out of it, you know. Ah, just, he's like yeah. so strung out. Like Hilo, uh, Hilo kind of gives me like a, a Henry Hill kind of impression sometimes, mm. where he's like, he's he's very good at what he's doing, but you know when when his kid like swallowed Jade or something, and they had to go to the hospital, and he's got these all these all these plans going on, and he's so I could just like feel how stressed out he was, yep. you know. So it kind of gave me that same vibe as like the end of Goodfellas, uh, but I maybe, maybe I've just got like crime movies on the brain. Yeah, maybe so. Now, when um, Hilo was beating the heck out of Shay, it kind of solidified in my mind, Hilo's gone. Hilo's going to die. I next. think so, too. Yeah, he's going to die. And I really, really hope that it's a way that like he and him like seeing the light, him seeing kind of the air of some of his ways and like his final act is like an act of like, be better than me, people. And yeah, does something heroic. I would be interested to see like kind of like what events lead to that. I mean, both of us obviously could be really wrong and Hilo could not die, but it's just I'm getting the same feeling as you. Like, I really do feel like Hilo's going to yeah. die. He did some things in this book that were not okay. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, like, I don't think that that necessarily means that he's, like, I don't think that his previous actions are going, like, mean, like, that he's going to die in the next one. But it'll make the, it mean more if he does it the right way. Right. Yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. I see what you're saying for sure. I mean, like, I just, I think that kind of like what we've touched on a few times in these episodes for this series is that Hilo tends to still cling to a lot of different, like kind of older, more conservative ideologies when it comes to a lot of how to handle these situations. And even with a lot of the conversations that Ait Mata has had with different characters, she even kind of seems to be um, drifting away from those kind of older ideologies. Yeah, to uh, a worse one. Right, yeah. And, and um, you know, she's not uh, doing a good job. <laughs> she's not being a very, <laughs> no. like, good person either. But what I'm saying is that, like, Hilo, it's it's soon not going to make sense for Hilo to be the leader. Yes. You know, and I think that 
a lot of what's going on here and a lot of like how brutal and violent and and horrible everything is it's not necessarily Hilo's fault but i think that he is complicit in a lot of like the instigation of a lot of these things and somebody like andin or somebody even like shay would probably not let things escalate or um or allow for things to happen that would allow for escalation you know what i mean um and i don't think hilo's doing it intentionally it's just kind of like that's his bag you know like he's he's very used to like like a good example and i don't even know if this is going to have like serious ramifications or anything but when hilo kind of um kind of at the end of this book just goes on a rampage you know like i could see something in the next book being like well remember when you did all that like here's the consequence of that you know and you right. you were so you were so you were so virtuous you know you were doing the right you thought you were doing the right thing but obviously you're going in and cracking skulls and completely ruining the day-to-day life of you know everybody else that's in this right. city you know so and yeah. his good his good deeds do get awarded right he even ponders about it when he was like oh i remember not killing this dude who was trying to steal jade in the first chapter of the book and he's yeah. like, look at this. It's come back around. And now I'm getting information from this kid. Totally. So he kind of has a little bit of that causative effect. Maybe he'll see also the negative causative effect before it's all said and done. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I, I honestly think that this whole series is going to end with either, I mean, I could see the clans being completely abolished. That mm-hmm. could, I could totally see that happening. Or, or I could see um, like the mountain clan kind of folding or being absorbed by No Peak with Andon or Shay. Um, either either Shay at the top or Andon at the top, or them kind of like ruling in some kind of like committee fashion or something. Yeah. Um, but I think that what's being foreshadowed, at least in my opinion, and obviously I haven't read the third book, but I think that what's being hinted at here is that change needs to come. You know, yes. like some things need to be reworked. Like we can't because what's it's just it's just there, there's going to be another war. You know what I mean? Like if if we keep if we stick to these kinds of ideologies, like all it's going to take. Looping. We never even right. stopped the last war. It just yeah. kind of went underground for a little while. We started using third and fourth players, and now because of that, those third and fourth players are in a war, and they're Ugh. killing each other, and they might even invade. I am very okay. I have a uh, before we wrap up here. I have a prediction that I want to ask you if you think this is going to happen. Sure. It almost feels like a significant chunk of time is going to pass between the end of this book and the next, like a couple years. Do you think that that might be the case? I mean, I guess I could see that because nothing is necessarily like super pressing. Right. And I think that like um, if you look at the very last chapter with Barrow talking to those um, kind of like, I don't know, they seem like counter. Dissenters. Like yeah. Um, I have a feeling that they're going to need some time to kind of get what they've got going. Yeah. Uh, and I Z- think that um, dead. the kids need uh, to grow a little bit. If there's any, like yeah. we, we pondered in the past, maybe them taking over the clan at the end of these books. Well, but like they're how much no time position do you think to, is, well, how much time do you think is going to go by? If it wasn't for the war on Aspenia, I would say we might be being set up for like a solid 10 to 15 years. <laughs> but really? but with the war, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it just might be like two. Yeah, I would say maybe like less than that even. Yeah. I don't know because Andon, I don't know, because I guess like well, how much time passes between the end of this book and the end of Jade City? Like three years, four years? Yeah, in this last book like that, that in the, over the last since yeah, Jade, so the like end of the, Jade City to the end of Jade War, yeah, yeah, like four or five yeah, like, years or something, something like that. I would say like three, I think. 
So I could see, I could see like two years passing and then, but I don't know. We'll find out. Like we both uh, took a little bit of a break from these books. Yeah. um, And for, to do a bunch of other stuff. And what I would, I mean, personally, what what I would really like to see is like two years to pass and then the entire book happening in like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Just like it being an insane event. And I think that's not going to happen. (laughs) That's not going to happen. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but like, it seems like Fonda Lee really likes to skip around in time a lot. He does. And that's not a fault at all. I, I, I kind of like it because uh, mm-hmm. it makes things it makes things feel a little bit more real. Yeah, because um, it makes sense that it's like life can't be always exciting. Right. Yeah. It kind of makes sense that like three months passes and, you know, um, it really is. Much just, happens. Yeah, it really is just like Shay going to work and like locking down real estate deals and like right. dating this guy. And, and, and you don't build like relationships or trust with people in a week. It takes no, time, but we don't need to build those anymore. We need everyone. No, to- we've got them. <laughs> like, let's. We need to blow everything up. Yeah, um, dude. The uh, the the board is set for the fireworks to start going. I've heard up. really good things about Jade Legacy. Me too. Like, people are really excited about it. Yeah, and just think- the name Jade Legacy and kind of implies right. what we're talking about. Like it something's does. gonna happen, dude. Something's gonna happen where it's like, what is the Jade Legacy? Um, let's see. I wonder if I have any other. Let's before we go, I think uh maybe I should make a prediction. Yeah, do that. What's my prediction? What is your prediction? Um, hang on. Well, okay, so this isn't really much of a prediction. <laughs> but I it's it's almost like a it's like a it's like a question musing kind of thing. Um I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. So for some reason I feel like Rue and Nico are in danger. Yes. Like I really I really believe that. We needed some and innocence. I, and I don't think that anything, I don't think they're necessarily going to get killed, but I think something to do with Rue and Nico is going to come up in this third book. There, Someone's going to try to bait Hilo. Like, do you think they're going to be captured? I don't know, but like, it feels like, you know, Zaponio is dead. There's not really, you know, Port Massey, like you said before, I mean, like Andon's gone. Um, I mean, I guess like Corey's still there. They're still dealing with stuff over there, but I don't really see Andon like flying back to Port Massey or anything. No, like, no he's in Kikon. Um, so it feels like we've kind of like shrunk back in to John Lou. Yeah, we've gone big bit. and then come back together. Um, and obviously that might not be what happens in the next book, but uh, it feels like the way that I'm looking at everything, I feel like the Mountain Clan has been dormant for mm-hmm. this whole last book, essentially. And I think that they're going to kind of spring out and really start trying to take control of this whole city uh and i think that maybe one of the ways to really do that and to really get leverage over the pillar is to take his kids they feel too vulnerable you know i mean it already hinted at it a little bit like with them almost dying in a fiery car explosion and there's gonna be no more like go playtime at the park like when 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 is out of the picture (laughs) at least from where i'm sitting yeah so that's one less parent um, Hilo's gonna be busy. I don't know. It's just that's what I'm kind of predicting. Um, I'm afraid for those chillins. Well, like I just think it's gonna get it's just gonna get dirtier. It is. You know, I'm excited. It is. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> the kids and I think Corey. We both have like people are going yeah, to be Corey. Soft spots are gonna be abused. But yeah, I think and I really like how she did this. We started very small, very laser on what was important. The main players that are gonna take us through the entire story. 
in the first book. The second book, we expand so we can understand the surrounding country, a little bit more of like the world stage um, and the cultures and the other things that play going on in the world. And then at the end of this book, she brings the story back now with our newfound understanding of all the pieces so that things are going to be relevant to us when they're parts of this next book. She shrinks them on down. I think all the action is going to happen on KCON. It's so funny making a podcast where we're doing these really long form discussions on, uh, you know, obviously we've read two books, but we have not read <laughs> a third book. <laughs> no. And just like the 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 amount of space for us to be so incorrect. So wrong. Because you know, like in the end of the last episode, I was so sure that Shay was going to like, like try to marry oh Loon, yeah and like it all like made sense and we, you and it me made were sense like, to me too yeah, i was we like, like that like rings with truth <laughs> and then in like the first page of <laughs> i was wrong and but i don't know i'm having a good time <laughs> me too me too <laughs> these books are awesome they really are and uh yeah for anybody listening who's curious about what we're reading after Greenbone, uh <gasps> we're reading the winter night trilogy yeah we are uh, Catherine Arden is the author of those books, and it's like uh, Russian folklore. Uh, I think maybe based Apropos. on it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's exactly it, but yeah, three fairly short books, and I think it'll be a nice change from you know kind of this vibe that we've got going here to maybe something a little bit more fantastical. Hmm. So I think it's a good call. Yeah, me too. We got to swing the pendulum back and forth a little bit. We did like old high fantasy, confusing fantasy. And then we <laughs> did some like, uh, would you call this urban fantasy? I would yeah, call it this urban is an fantasy. urban family, like new yeah. age urban family. Uh, if it's, urban it's fantasy. High, I think it's high urban fantasy, technically. Yeah, but it, you did it in a way that it's new age, like people are getting in cars, which is fine. But like, it's not so new age that... Because for some reason, I just really dislike it when I'm reading it. I'm like, and after magic class, like they posted something to their Instagram. I'm right, like, ah, yeah. nope, nope, yeah. don't want to know about. So this is like done so well in that it's kind of modern age with cars and technology. No, it's, like, it's like late 60s. Yeah. It gives me like very... a late 60s, like early 70s vibe. Yeah, it's maybe, perfect. Maybe, I like maybe it. the 80s, but not quite. Mm-hmm. We don't have any of the internet going on. Uh, Nope. Is is there I internet? I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't no, think there's phones. Internet. There's phones. TV. Yeah, but sending um, faxes maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if there was internet, we would have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad there's not. I'm, I don't want there to be internet in the story. Attacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one more thing to deal with. <sighs> but yeah, I'm really excited to read Jade Legacy. I'm going to go read it right now on my Kindle because there's only a hardcover version of it and I haven't bought. <laughs> I'm going to have to pay twice for this book because I won't get the hardcover. <laughs> so dumb. But it's going to look great on my shelf. My hardcover is in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it looks good. Next it's to gonna look great paperbacks. next to my two paperbacks. <laughs> hey, one of my paperbacks is signed, so they're all looking great. Well, everybody, that's gonna wrap it up for us today on Book Reviews Kill. Thank you so much for joining us for part two of our Jade War recap for recapping the Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee, and we will hit you next week with our first episode recapping Jade Legacy. And if you'd like to support Book Reviews Kill, there's a link to our Patreon in the description below. We have a couple signed copies that uh, Olfanda sent us of the Jade War book, and we'll be giving those away to our Patreons when we wrap up the series. So if you uh, join our Patreon, do that if you want a chance to get one of those bad boys. And also we have a Discord. If you'd like to join the Discord and get in on this conversation, we 
We do have a specific channel for Greenbone Saga, and we will have a specific channel for every series that we read on the podcast in the Discord under the Book Reviews Kill. A place where you can thing. go tell Evan and I how wrong we are about all of our predictions. <laughs> Just make sure you tag the spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, please tag the spoilers. Everybody's been really good about that. They've been so good. I like get yeah. so proud of everyone when I go into one of those uh, channels and there's just black scripting because you can tag yeah. it in Discord where it's all covers the, it in black and it's just like a black, 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 black. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.